Indeed, God's faithfulness is great to us. We at First Church would like to welcome you, whether you're here in person, listening on the radio, or watching on Facebook. We are blessed that you are a part of our service and hope that you feel God's love and presence while you worship with us this morning. For the announcements, uh, please look over the bulletin for items that may have been interest to you. A few to note, I think probably uh, maybe coming off of last night, this sure is a fun time to be a ranger. Although I think the lady rangers may have brought home a few bruises after last night's battle. But on to the state tournament we roll. Uh, from a different group of ladies that uh, heard that the IF gathering, that they participated here at First Church on Friday and Saturday was great. Thank you to the organizers for putting that together. The Lenten Bible study, based on the devotional book by A.W. Tozer, begins tonight at 9 p.m. This group will meet in the ministry center youth room. Everyone is invited to attend. If you haven't taken a book or started it, I'd recommend you check it out. I found this devotion to be excellent. It's deep and thought-provoking. It really challenges one to think about our faith and how we live it out. Oh, 6 p.m. 6 p.m. Maybe I misspoke or I read wrong. Thank you for the correction. Um, make sure I'm on the right route, uh, line here. There will be an informational meeting. That's at 6 p.m., right? The Constitutional Bylaws tomorrow, and the Ministry Center is at 7 p.m. tomorrow. That's where I got my times mixed up, so thank you for that. All members are invited to attend the discussion and proposed changes to the Constitutional Bylaws. Another timing is next weekend. Don't forget to set your clocks forward an hour uh, before you go to bed. If you forget, you can come and join uh, Aaron Rohrbaugh's Bible study. Uh, they would be happy to have you, and they even offer some food, I think, so... A little extra incentive to come to their group if you show up a little late for church. Um, there will be a wonderful Wednesday meal on March 16th. The menu is in the bulletin. Also mark your calendar now for praise and prayer night on Sunday, March 27th here in the sanctuary. And now please rise and join me in the call to worship. It is taken from Psalm 91. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. If you say the Lord is my refuge and you make the Most High your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Now let us sing hymn number eight, Praise to the Lord, the Almighty.
And now we'll have children chat. And while the kiddos are coming up, if you, as you feel comfortable, please extend a smile, a hand, and a hug to those near you. Good morning. you guys today? Did you play outside yesterday? Um, we had birthday parties, so yes. Park yesterday. No way. Did you have fun? Uh-huh, and it was the new blooming park. Okay. And, and yeah, we played outside. I feel Gimli Yep. All right. So, in the Gospel of Matthew, there is a story about Jesus. And Jesus was in the wilderness, and he was being tempted by the devil. What does it mean to be tempted? Are you ever tempted to have a cookie when mom says no? No. Hmm. Hmm. Are you guys ever tempted to maybe knock somebody's block tower down that you didn't build? Sometimes. I know it happens. Being tempted means somebody's trying to get you to do something that you shouldn't do. And the devil was trying to get Jesus to do things that Jesus doesn't do. Like Jesus had been in the desert for 40 days and he hadn't had anything to eat. And the devil is like, well, if you're God's son, you should be able to turn this rock into a loaf of bread. Could Jesus do that? Yeah. Yeah. But. He didn't. He didn't because he had a purpose for being in the desert then and for fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. What what season of the church are we in right now? Does anybody know what started on Wednesday? Lent. Lent started. That's right. It's the time when we think about the 40 days before Easter. Kind of like the 40 days that Jesus was in the desert. Okay? Now, some people choose to give things up during Lent. Like maybe they're not going to eat chocolate from now until Easter. Or maybe they're not going to fight with their brothers and sisters from now until Easter. Do you think you could do that? Well, I see some very honest head shakes up here. That's a tough one, isn't it? What about making your bed every morning? Yeah, I think I, I, I do that sometimes. What about picking up your toys the first time Mommy asks? Oh, I definitely do that. Or coming home and doing your homework right away? I do that. I don't even have Okay. So, Lent is a time where we think about things that we could do without for a while. Or things that we could add to our day and do it for God. Do it for Jesus because he's the one that died on the cross for us. So that we can go to heaven and live with him. So that's really something to think about. What could you do extra? Or what could you do without from now until Easter? And you don't have to tell anybody. It can just be between you and God. But it's something to think about. You're going to be good from now till Easter? I bet you can. Yeah, I bet you can. Okay. Let's say a quick prayer. Father God, thank you for Jesus' example of how he spent 40 days focusing on you and getting ready to do the mission you gave him. 
We pray that you will help us to especially focus on you during these 40 days of Lent so that we'll be ready to serve you better and do whatever work you have for each of us. Keep us healthy. Keep us safe. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Maria. Thanks, kids. You guys can head back to your families. As they're heading back there, I just want to remind you that our offering today is to support the general fund. Um, so if you are feeling led to give this morning as the deacons collect the offering, that is the, the designated offering for today. In addition to that, um, we want to let you know about another opportunity to give this morning. Last week, as, as uh, I, I encouraged you to be praying for the situation that is happening in Ukraine. And of course, prayer is uh, one of the best things we can do, lift up those concerns to the Lord. Uh, but some of you may be wondering uh, about doing something that's a little bit more practical. And so we want to encourage you, if you feel led to give in support of relief efforts in that area, um, Samaritan's Purse is sending a disaster relief team. Uh, in fact, they're already on the, uh, out there in, the, in um, helping those that are in harm's way and those that are fleeing the violence. Um, so if you are feeling led to give in support of that effort. Um, the Blue Jug, as you guys are all familiar with, is up here on the front steps after the service today. If you'd like to give um, towards that, um, any money that is put in the Blue Jug this morning will go to Samaritan's Purse Disaster Relief, specifically for their work in, in Ukraine and helping the people that are in harm's way there. For those that are listening on the radio or watching online or simply maybe those that are here that would like to give online, you can do that as well. Um, just encourage you, as, as you normally would, to give online, select Sunday offering, but in the memo line, just tag it as Ukraine, um, so that way we know that that's what that gift is for. Any money that is donated through the Blue Jug or online giving donated or marked as Ukraine will go towards the Samaritan's Purse disaster relief efforts in Ukraine. Um, so this time I do want to invite the deacons to come forward and collect the offering.
great reminder to be praying for one another and great um, connection to, to what I want to share with you here right now. I want to read a short passage from Acts chapter 3. It says, One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John there to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from them. And then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. You know, this man looked at Peter and James and, was, and, and wanted something. Um, and Peter and James didn't have much to offer, but they, he did give them what he had, and that was the name of Jesus. Uh, this next praise song that we're going to sing, I want to invite you to, to, to sing along with us, of course. Uh, the words are in your bulletin. The name of the song is I Speak Jesus. And really it's an invitation to prayer. It's an invitation to be praying the name of Jesus over ourselves, our families, our community, our church. Because, you know, we don't always have much to offer, but the one thing that we do have to offer is infinitely greater than silver or gold and anything else, and that is the name of Jesus. And we can be speaking truth and love and hope and power into our situations by by praying and praising the name of Jesus um, over everything. So I want to encourage you to do that now. As we sing this song, maybe you're carrying a burden in here today. Maybe there's something that's weighing you down. And I just invite you to, to sing this song as a prayer to the Lord, speaking the name of Jesus over whatever situation you're going through. Let's praise God by singing the song together. Jesus for my family, I speak the Holy 
Father God, we come before you now and we do lift up all concerns, all burdens, Lord, all situations and circumstances to you in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that your name is power and healing and life. That, Lord God, you are our refuge and strength in times of trouble. That you do, Lord, free us from the from the burdens and worry, Lord, of sin in this world through your through your sacrifice on the cross. And you give us hope even in our most difficult circumstances because we know that you have already given everything to us through your son Jesus Christ. And so Lord, we do pray for for people who are hurting, uh, for people who are who are in need of healing. We do pray, Lord, for those that are that are struggling with with doubt and anxiety and, and and anger and grief, Lord. Sometimes we carry things with us that are not visible, but we carry them nonetheless. And so we pray for those people as well, that you would strengthen them and, and, and guide them through this season of life. We know, Lord, we know that you are good and that your word is true. And so we hold on to those promises. We hold on to the hope that we find in you and your word. And we, we, we trust them, Lord, even when we have a hard time seeing and experiencing them in our daily lives. Lord, we do pray for our world and we do pray for, Lord, what's happening in Ukraine. And, and Lord, we know there is more conflict and violence and and, and struggles and grief, Lord, that is happening around this world. Ukraine just has the spotlight right now. And so we pray for, for peace. Lord, we do pray for justice and righteousness. We pray that good would triumph over evil. And Lord, that you would use even dark moments like this to draw people to yourself. May people who feel like they have nowhere else to turn, may they know that they can turn to you in their time of need. We pray that you strengthen our brothers and sisters in Christ who are in harm's way and in, in very difficult situations. We pray, Lord, that you would watch over them and protect them. And also that you would use them, Lord, as your hands and feet to, to work your will and to further your kingdom wherever they find themselves. Lord, we do pray for those in authority over us, as your word calls us to do. And once again, we pray this week for those at a national level, our president, our Congress, our Supreme Court, other elected and appointed officials, especially those, Lord, who, who are in decision-making positions. We pray, Lord, for wisdom and guidance for them, that they would have a hunger and thirst after your righteousness, and that the decisions they make, Lord, 
would be first and foremost honoring and pleasing to you, Lord, and and also that they would be for the good of of our country and for those that reside here. Lord, we pray for our leaders here in this church and this day, I'm especially thinking of our our music ministry in all its various forms, Lord. We thank you for, for those that that lead and serve in those areas, and we pray that for your blessing upon them. And Lord, we thank you for the way that they lead us and guide us in worship of you here. We praise you for their gifts and praise you, Lord, that we can, as a church body with one voice, with one purpose, gather here in this place and praise your name. Because it is in the name of Jesus that we pray all of these things and pray as he taught his disciples to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. You may be seated. Our scripture reading this morning comes from 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 through 19. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the suffering of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. For the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be made as, <clears throat> as murder or thief of any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. For it is time for judgment to begin with God's household. And if it begins with us, What will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it's hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. Thank you, Maria. Before we go to the Lord in prayer and ask for his, his blessing on this time, just want to remind you of, uh, once again, of that Lenten devotional and um, uh, have an opportunity to lead a small group tonight discussing that. So if you're interested and available, um, pray, first of all, that, uh, that that devotional just in itself is a blessing to you as we journey through Lent together. But if you have an opportunity and would like to dig in deeper to the study, um, we're going to do that tonight at 6 Participate and be a part of that. It's going to be, I'm really excited about it and excited as, as Brian highlighted during the announcements this morning, there's some really, really good stuff in there and, and excited to see kind of f- how we flesh those out a little bit more throughout our discussion. So I want to encourage you to be a part of that uh, group if you're able to be there tonight at six o'clock in the ministry center. Let's go to the Lord in prayer again. Father God, we are so grateful for this day. We're grateful for the opportunity now to open up your word together. Um, Lord, help us to to focus in on it now. Um, Lord, we often are distracted and, and have other things on our mind. And so for these next several minutes, we ask that you, you would um, help us to focus on you, set our eyes on you, Lord, and what we may learn about you through your word. Um, we pray that your Holy Spirit would soften our hearts and minds to your gospel and that your Holy Spirit would give me words to say. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. So today is the first Sunday of Lent. Uh, we are going to be continuing on. There's not uh, many sermons left in First Peter. If you're following along in your Bible and not just the bulletin, you see we are approaching the end of chapter 4 here. That means we just have one chapter left and we'll be covering the remainder of this letter over the next couple weeks. Um, if you've been reading the devotional as well, you notice one of the readings from this week also touched on this idea of suffering, which has been a constant theme throughout the letter of First Peter. Um, it also is a, is a theme that we reflect on during the Lenten season. Uh, we specifically focus on the sacrifice and the suffering that Jesus made on our behalf, right? We, as we go through this Lenten season, we're moving toward the cross, 
right? You're moving toward the suffering and shame and death that Jesus experienced on our behalf. And so Lent is an opportunity for us to reflect on that, uh, but it also is an, oppor- it's an invitation for us to reflect on what that means for us as Christ followers, how we experience suffering in this world. And so we've been, it's been a constant theme throughout this letter of 1 Peter, and we see it coming back to the forefront here in this section today. So we're going to be talking once again about, about suffering, and I think there's some good lessons to be learned here from this section about how we as Christians handle suffering that we experience. There's three things that I want to highlight for us today, and I want to kind of give you those up front so we can kind of frame the time that we have together. First, we need to reevaluate our suffering. Then we need to rejoice in our suffering. And finally, Peter encourages us to respond faithfully in our suffering. So let's begin by looking at what it means to reevaluate our suffering. Peter reminds us here that, uh, that we need to be aware of the suffering and persecution that we experience as Christians. But we need to examine why we are suffering, why we experience these fiery ordeals in the first place. In other words, I think we need to determine the source. All right, Peter here is distinguishing between suffering in general, something that all people experience and is common to every person, Christian or non-Christian, He's distinguishing between that type of general suffering and the suffering that is unique to Christians, the suffering for Christ as a direct result or maybe even indirect result of following Jesus. He even makes that distinction in verse 15, right? He says, right, if you're going to suffer, right, if you're going to be insulted, right, don't do it because you're a a murderer or thief or a meddler, right? In other words, don't, don't suffer because you made the decision uh, made, made wrong decisions, some suffering is self-inflicted, right? It's the result of our own sin or self, selfish actions, right? As I've said, I've said this before, but it bears repeating, right? Everything happens for a reason, but sometimes the reason is we're dumb and we make bad decisions, right? Sometimes suffering is a result of our own foolishness, our own sinfulness. And so we need to recognize that and understand that. And what, what should we do if that's the case? Well, we need to repent, right? If we recognize that, that decisions that we have made are not aligned with God's will and, and it's causing suffering or hardship or strife in our lives, we need to recognize it for what it is, turn away from it, and turn toward, back towards God, right? Suffering of this type can sometimes be a wake-up call. God may be allowing us to experience the consequences of our decisions as a way to, to get our attention, to help us to see the maybe wrong path that we're headed down in order to turn around and turn back toward him. So Peter says, don't, don't suffer because you've made that bad decision, right? Because of your sin. That's not the kind of suffering that we're talking about here. There's also some suffering that may, be the, may not be the direct result of yours or anyone else's actions, some suffering may simply be the byproduct of living in a fallen world, right? We understand, we believe that sin has affected everything in creation. It's affected ourselves as, as human beings. It also affects the world that we live in, right? And sometimes bad things happen to good people for no known reason. And there are no easy answers for this type of suffering. People have been asking the question, why do bad things happen to good people since the dawn of human history? Right? And there's no easy, clear answer. And in that type of suffering, we need to pray for God's strength and provision to endure the hardships of this broken world. Right? And these first two types of suffering that I just described are, are experienced by all people. So Christian and non-Christian, right? Rich and poor, right? People in the United States and the people in Ukraine and the people in China, the people in Russia, right? All people experience those two types of suffering. Suffering that is self-inflicted and suffering that is the byproduct of living in a broken world. But then there's this third type of suffering, and that's really what Peter is focusing his attention on here today. And that is suffering that may be the result of your decision to follow Jesus. Right? These are the fiery ordeals that Peter has in mind. And he says here that believers should not be surprised at these ordeals, these trials, these tests that we experience. Right? We, it's, it's not that anything strange is happening to us. Right? It's, it's sometimes we suffer as a direct or maybe indirect result 
of following Jesus. In fact, Scripture makes it pretty clear that it would be strange if we didn't experience those types of suffering. Right? No one makes it through this life unscathed. Suffering, again, is the norm, not the exception of the human experience. But it's also the norm, not the exception, of what it means to follow Jesus. Paul writes in 2 Timothy 3.12, and that's 2 Timothy 3.12, he says, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Or we can learn a lesson from Jesus himself, from John 16.33. John 16.33, Jesus says, I have told you these things so that in this world you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. Right? Jesus is speaking to his disciples there. Paul in, in, in 2 Timothy was talking to another pastor. Right? These are words directed at believers, at Christians. And the point that they're both making is that we should not be surprised when we suffer as a result of following Jesus. But notice the promise that Jesus makes to us. He says that he has overcome Right? In this world you will have trouble, but fear not, for I have overcome the world. Right? In Christ, the suffering, the shame, the hardships, the, those difficulties we experience are overcome through his death and his resurrection. And we'll see here that is one of the sources of our joy in the midst of suffering. And so I think it's important for us as we recognize, as we try to reexamine what we are experiencing and the suffering that we're experiencing we need to ask ourselves, if, ask ourselves how God can use these fiery ordeals to test or strengthen our faith. Fiery is, is maybe another way to translate would be intense, right? It's, it's in other words, it's, it's not just commonplace, right? This is a very difficult, very difficult experiences that Peter is speaking into. And, and when the New Testament talks about these types of ordeals or these types of tests, they they're often are, are used to describe situations or test in order to test something to or excuse me in order to learn its character or true nature it's the same word that James uses in chapter 1 verse 2 when he says consider it pure joy my brothers and sisters whenever you face trials of many kinds so what can god do with these fiery or fiery ordeals that we experience well one thing he can do is reveal our character Right? When we go through difficult times, when we face suffering, it exposes what we truly believe. Right? What we truly believe about ourselves, and perhaps more importantly, what we truly believe about God. Right? Because we are going to fall back on our most basic beliefs, on our foundation, when we face trials. And so the question, the, what, what trials do is they reveal what your foundation really is, what you've been building your life on. And so suffering can force us to reveal our character, what we truly believe and what the foundation is of our lives. Suffering can also remove impurity, right? Scripture testifies that suffering refines our faith. It helps put things into perspective. What seemed important before you face that suffering maybe doesn't seem so important anymore. Or maybe the things that you didn't value, you realize have more value than you gave it credit for, right? Suffering refines our faith that helps us helps us see excuse me helps us refocus our faith on christ and his word and what really matters the third thing that god can do with our suffering is it helps us depend on him more and on ourselves less if nothing else suffering will destroy the misconception that you are in control of your life it forces you to throw yourself at the mercy of god and depend on him more We also see here that Peter reminds us that suffering for Jesus can be evidence that the Holy Spirit resides in you. And now we need to be very careful with what we do with this part here because suffering does indicate this, but not all suffering necessarily points to the presence of Christ in your life. Right? Sometimes we're insulted because we deserve it. Right? We've already covered that part. Not all suffering is suffering for Jesus. I think there is sometimes a danger in this false persecution mentality, right? That, 
False persecution is the idea that all suffering is directly or indirectly related to our decision to follow Jesus. Therefore, suffering only serves to confirm that I'm on the right path. Now, let me use an example from my, my own life to highlight this. Right? JoJo's recent diagnosis is not evidence that she or our family are, quote, on the right track. I believe it's evidence that we live in a broken world and that sin affects everything, right, including how our own bodies function. But with that being said, I do believe that, that believers, when we are following Jesus, when we are seeking to be true to him, when we do make him Lord and Savior of our lives, that does put a target on our back. And the enemy would like nothing more than to distract us or tempt us or disrupt our walk with the Lord. And he will often try to use suffering to do just that. Right? Think of the scene in, in Job chapter 1. Right? This is the, the behind the scenes of what's happening in Job, right? where, where Satan and the Lord have this conversation. And Satan asks permission to, to make Job suffer. Right? He wants to take everything away from Job, even his own health, because he thinks that in doing so, Job is going to turn his back on God. That Job will turn away from the Lord as a result of that suffering. That's, that's the enemy's mindset. He wants to use suffering to cause us to turn away from God. That's what he believes will happen. But God knows that suffering has the ability to strengthen us and purify our faith instead. And so we need to reevaluate our suffering, what its source is, but also what God may want to do with the suffering that we do experience. Second, we need to also, uh, Peter also encourages us to rejoice in our suffering. Right? Joy is the opposite response that one would typically have in these circumstances, right? When we're facing difficult times, when, we're, when we are hurting, the last thing that we naturally want to do is rejoice. But I can't help but think of the story of Paul and Silas in Acts 16 as they're unfairly arrested and thrown in jail. They didn't spend the night there complaining or whining, or bickering. If you're familiar with the story, you know exactly what they did, right? They spent the night in that jail cell praying and praising God, rejoicing in Christ, right? Joy is not dependent on our circumstances. And Peter gives us three reasons here why we can rejoice in our suffering. First, we can rejoice in our suffering because the believer has an altogether different perspective, Right? When we are in the midst of our suffering, the temptation is to focus on the temporary, what's right in front of our faces, the here and now. And it's also tempting to focus on ourself, right? the pain we're experiencing or the difficulties that we're facing. But Christ gives us a different perspective, doesn't he? He tells us to take the focus off of the temporary, take the focus off of the here and now and place it on eternity. talks about the joy that we'll experience, not just in our suffering now, but also when Christ returns, when he's revealed. And we can have joy in the midst of our suffering because we're called to be Christ-centered, not self-centered. Right? When we put ourselves at the center of our own little universe, we're always going to be disappointed. Right? We're always going to fall short. We're going to make mistakes. But when we keep Christ at the center, it gives us a whole new perspective. Right? Keep our focus on him and that will help us rejoice even in the midst of our suffering. We can also rejoice because people treated Jesus the same way. Right? Jesus suffered. He was insulted. He was persecuted. Should we expect to be treated any differently? Right? As Christ followers, as people who bear his name, should we expect to be treated any differently than he was? And so we can rejoice that we bear his name. Right? That name Christian Right? That's, the, that's the family name, right? We bear the name of Christ when we identify ourselves with him. We are united with him in his suffering. And so we shouldn't be ashamed of it. We shouldn't try to hide it. We should wear it proudly. Think of another story from, from Acts chapter 5. Uh, Peter and others had been dragged before the, the Sanhedrin, the ruling council, and they had been uh, told to stop preaching, right? To stop spreading the good news. And they were, they were repeatedly arrested and persecuted. But then in this case, they were released. 
And in Acts 5.41, it says that they went away rejoicing to have been counted worthy to suffer for the name of Jesus. Just think of that perspective, right? They, had, they were rejoicing because they had been considered worthy to suffer for the name of Jesus. People treated Jesus that way. We should not be surprised when we are treated that way also. And the third thing we see here is that our joy will be exponentially greater when Jesus is revealed. This kind of goes along with that perspective, right? We're united with him in his suffering, and so also we'll be united with him in his resurrection. The greatest joys in this life will be a drop in the ocean compared to the joy we experience in his presence. That's why in the Beatitudes in Matthew 5, Jesus tells them, blessed are you when you are persecuted, when you're insulted, when people heap in Jesus reminds them that this world is not all there is. The experiences that we face are not all there is. That when Jesus returns in his glory, right, our, we will not just rejoice, we will be overjoyed. So we are called to rejoice in our sufferings. And finally, we're called to respond faithfully in our suffering. Peter, in the last verse here, tells us to do two things. He says, commit ourselves to God and to continue to do good. In Joshua 24, as the people have entered the promised land and, and, and Joshua is kind of giving his farewell address, he stands before God's people and he, and he basically puts an ultimatum out in front of him. He says, you got a choice before you today. You can go back and you can worship those other gods, those gods that your ancestors worshipped over in, you know, on the other side of the river, or you can worship the Lord. Right? You can serve him. And he says, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves today who you serve, whether the gods of your ancestors beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Right? Suffering kind of forces us to make that decision, right? It confronts us with the reality of, of that decision we have to make. Are we going to commit ourselves to God or are we going to are we going to go in a different direction? And I want to encourage you to, the way we respond faithfully in suffering is to commit ourselves even more to the Lord, not less. Seek Him more, not less. Spend more time in His Word. Right? He is faithful. He's not going to abandon us in our time of need. And He's created us and everything else so He can certainly sustain you and provide what's needed. And so there's a couple things I want to encourage you in here. Ways that we can commit ourselves to God. We can commit ourselves to Him by committing ourselves to His Word. Find comfort and strength in His promises. His, he is good and His promises are always true. We need to commit ourselves to the prayers. Prayer is a lifeline, not a last resort. So cry out to God. Tell Him how you really feel. Right? You're not fooling Him anyways and He can handle it. Prayer can certainly change situations, and God does hear and respond, but prayer is guaranteed to change your heart and your perspective toward the situation that you're facing. And also, we need to commit ourselves to the people of God. Right? We need each other. Suffering can cause people to feel isolated. When you're hurt and angry, you just want to be left alone. But that's, why, that's, when, that's exactly when you need your church family. You need your brothers and sisters in Christ to surround you, to mourn with you, to support you. God does not intend for his people to go through life alone. And he places us within a Christian community called the church for that very reason, to be there for each other in our times of need. And so we commit ourselves to God by committing ourselves to his word, to prayer, and to the people of God. And lastly, he says we are called to continue to do good. Don't let suffering defeat you. In Galatians 6, 9, Paul says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Right? Good acts in the face of evil and suffering are powerful. Right? Evil doesn't know what to do with it or how to make sense of it. So God says, commit yourself to, to the Lord right? and continue to do good, even in the face of suffering. Even when you can't see why, right, or the outcome of your good deeds, he says, keep doing good. Continue to do good. Don't grow weary in it. For at the right time, you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. Let's pray together. 
Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you do, you are with us in the midst of our suffering. Lord, we all experience it. We all go through it. There's no way we can avoid it. So help us to rejoice in our suffering and help us to respond faithfully. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. As we sing, as we close our service, I invite you to stand and sing our last praise song. It's a reminder that in all times, in all seasons, God's name is to be praised. Let's stand and sing, blessed be your name. Now let us run the race with perseverance marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. You may go in peace.
Another one. 